Hello, and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment, based in the Chicago area. Hi, I'm James Key, the trivia nerd in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm Tipster, host and land penguin at the Pinnacle Larder, floating somewhere in the Antarctic Ocean. See, now the communist in me, Tipster, wants to point out that we should yeet all the land penguins, but I'm going to allow this. Why, why are we ye- why, why are we yeeting the land penguins? What have they done now? Oh, they're better in the sea, I think, mostly. I, I mean, yeah, they, they swim quite well, but also we like we like being on dry land sometimes. Here, see, I now we're gonna like see like land penguins, space penguins. Got to be a space penguin. Oh, space yeah, I'm, I'm picturing like the marines of the penguin world. You've got the land, you've got the sea. Uh, do you have an air force of sorts? Um, we're working on it. Uh, unfortunately, the technology isn't quite there yet. General Vafters is is currently recruiting, uh, so we may have a a third addition to the Pinnacle Larder who is part of our Air Force. Yes. Yeah, that's how that's how Penguin military culture works. You have generals, but no air marshals. Not yet. Well, you also have em- you have emperors as well. They're not in the military uh, technically, yeah. but. Um, we also have captains, Captain Waddles. Uh, oh, fair. So, uh, I, I, well, the iceberg's got to be steered somehow. Are Otherwise, you, we cr- are you a malevolent iceberg? And I'm just we're now not, picking up on we're this. We're not malevolent. No. You are loaded for bear, sir. What? No. You have an entire <laughs> military time... infrastructure floating around in, <laughs> in the Antarctic. <laughs> Remember that one time we parked up in Chicago and. <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> Vaguely, there was a lot of rum involved that night. That's if you're fair. on an iceberg. If you're on an iceberg, are you technically land, or are you still sea? You're just, you know, frozen. Uh, it's called nuance. Uh, actually, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, We're so, on international waters. Your your laws don't apply here. Yeah, so watch out, Zealand tipster is coming for you. <laughs> That 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 floating micro nation on the uh, abandoned oil rig or whatever. I mean, that's. <laughs> oh God! Did we just declare war on a country that nobody thinks is a country? I don't know. This is going great, uh, James. What did yes, you do Jason. yesterday? Well, yesterday I hosted my very first independent weekly show at a little Ooh. local dive bar. Uh, quite an interesting experience. It started off a little bit rocky, but all in all, it went very, very well. And I'm looking forward to doing it again next week, as are all of the participants that were there. So I think it's going to be a big success. So uh, all all the best for me, I guess, huh? Well, I was going to say that, but I mean, you, you took the yeah. lead on it. No, in, in all <laughs> sincerity, congratulations on that. Um, and we Thank talked you. about this the last time you and I recorded. I have been a big cheerleader for the independent trivia nerd that you are if i couldn't make you the dependent trivia nerd i needed you to be and that's okay (laughs) i'm not holding a grudge uh so tell me about the bar a little bit any uh drink specials um yeah they uh somebody came in and said hey the bartender made me something that was like fruity and delicious and it was blue and the pub owner uh who is in her mid to late 50s and has owned this pub for nine years plus said oh yeah and she grabbed a bottle and she thrust it out and she said yeah it's the blue curacao it's the blue curacao that makes the drink blue and delicious and i was looking you know like 
uh, wait a second. And and I, I like locked eyes with this uh, other bartender who was literally on her first day there. And I think we were mentally sending signals with the other saying, uh, no, 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 that's not uh, Curacao. It's uh, Blue Curacao, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so I just thought that was kind of funny. I, you know what? Uh, it, was, it was a drink for them. So I just let it go and uh, hope for the best for the night. <laughs> Yeah, I believe I, that that mixer is named for the Caribbean island where Katie Couric was born. Yeah, I, I think it is. I know that there is an island nation. I don't know which came first, but I can only assume it was the island. So or, I'm, Katie Couric came later, I'm sure. I, I am not here to comment on the frequency and the timing in which that happens. <laughs> Great. All um, right, we can check another celebrity who's never going to listen to the show again off the list after that. Uh, uh, yeah, how yeah. about Q-Tips, or what was your uh, game like this week? Uh, you know, pretty standard fare, to be honest. Um, we had um, four rounds, um, as opposed to our usual six, because I'm kind of going through a bit of a rocky patch elsewhere at the minute. Um, so I don't have as much time to write questions as I'd like to. But Wait, I was in that um, game. Did I miss a round? No, there were three, and <laughs> like you I had the warm up, count. you had the confidence booster, which yeah. for once, my friend, boosted my confidence. Thank you. Nice. That and then uh, that the accumulator did its yeah. job. Yeah. No, um, I completely forgot we didn't have. A, I had one almost ready to go, and then had to scrap it because of a dud question in there. That, ah. Have you yeah. considered finding some kind of collaborative group to maybe help you crowdsource uh, ideas for rounds and questions? That, uh, I I have a, a collective I of am. sorts, uh, a co I, a cooperative, <laughs> if you will. Oh, it's uh, I'm I'm getting there. It's it's one of those things where it's like I feel like this is my baby, and it's very difficult for me to go. Yes, that idea. Yes, let's do that. Um, because I like to take ownership of my own stuff. If you know what I mean, it's, no, that's uh, fair, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, and I'm sure James is. It's, it's hard to ask when we come in as quote unquote professionals and should be able to do this on our own. That's that's kind of the job, but I, I got to tell you, and a, a, for everybody out there listening who needs or wants or has chops in the in the trivia writing kind of milieu, um, join the Trivia Writers Co-op. TriviaWriters.com uh, takes you directly to our Discord page. Once you hop in, Corey's probably going to say something weird. Uh, and that's how you know you're in the right place. Yep. <laughs> that, that, that about sums up my experience. <laughs> I mean, we have a greeting penguin. How is Corey the second weirdest thing you see on entry into the co-op at this point? I don't know. I don't know. Why? Well, as for me, since you guys asked about how my last week of shows went, um, I actually don't want to talk about those so much, but I do want to quickly uh, shout out that I'm, at least as a company, getting back into live venue hosting a little bit starting in May. Oh, that's excellent. That's Yeah, I had uh, a, a very good work meeting um, with a pair of venues that we had uh, pre-pandemic who are good to go at the start of May at the start of May, a comeback. Uh, they agreed with all the changes we've made. Uh, they agreed with the new talent that I'll be putting there. And uh, they agreed to give me actual money dollars for effort. So the dream. Excellent. Uh, yeah, that's that's huge. 
I was about to ask if you got some new hosts to kind of do that, run those games because I know you were saying you wanted to focus more on the online space these days. Yeah, I'm uh, very happy working from my basement. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> working from home, you know, yeah. it's it's the future. You can't beat the commute. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just roll out of bed and into into the streaming chat sometimes. Well, I mean, this is an audio medium. How do you know I'm not currently in my bed? Also true. Yep, I'm dangling a bunny slipper right off the edge right now, and I'm, I'm comfy as hell, boys. You're giving us a mental image that I'm not sure I want to pursue. The first of several to come in this recording, my friend. The, yeah. the thing is, I would usually, like, think this was a joke that you just but it's you and i know for a fact that you would totally do that i like, had for about two years deadpool themed bunny slippers not even lying they have the the ears and everything uh but they're they're pretty cheaply mass produced unfortunately so after you know six months or so of extended wear they're just not footwear anymore uh mm. so i have they're they're less pretty but they're they're more rugged they're actually kind of an all-weather house slipper that i wear now Nice rubberized sole, and uh, they've held up for about a year now, so my feet are happy. And if you know anything about me, happy feet, happy Jason. Happy penguins. <laughs> yeah, happy feet, happy, happy Gilmore. penguins, that's right. <laughs> I smell I smell a theme round. I yeah. smell burnt toast. Am I doing this wrong? Uh, are you still in your bed? Yes. That, you might have left the electric blanket on too long. Oh, that explains the smell. Okay. Um, should we get into an actual topic of conversation instead of yeah, fucking around for 15 about minutes? your bunny slippers. Hey, look, of oh. all the things I've talked about on this show, that is maybe the 13th weirdest. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, let's, let's, let's transition gracefully into our roundtable discussion du jour, which uh, I think I've got a pair of people to talk with uh, that are well-designed and, and well-suited for this topic, because we're talking... Trivia game shows, my friends. James, spend the next 40 minutes talking about trivia game shows. I feel I, like you could. I could spend the next 40 hours talking about trivia game shows, I think. I, I think Tipster is probably on that same wavelength with me. Yeah. Uh, as, as I've said in just you know general conversation, little mini biographies about myself, uh, one of the first memories I had was of family feud on tv and being so excited when the family won the uh the bonus round the fast money at the end i would jump i would scream i would yell i'd run to my mom i won ten thousand dollars i mean it it was something that was somehow ingrained in me as a child and i've wanted to be a game show host all my life and being a trivia host is probably the next best thing if i'm not going to be able to give away a brand new car to somebody at least i can give them a 20 dollar gift card to the local pub and you know make make those people happy at least which in a uh, binary and, sense is the same thing so you're good you're covered yeah it really is i mean uh, i get to ask questions i get to you know shoot the shit with them a little bit and do it in a, a, a nice environment and it's just fun for me so I'm hoping it's fun for them because I figure you know it's a mutual thing it's got to be a two-way street when you're doing this if uh, if you don't enjoy doing it then they're not going to enjoy uh, you know I, having you I, there 
I hope it was fun for them because otherwise it feels like they're there by force. And <laughs> yeah. like I know there are game shows out there that you know lock people in, like Cash Trapped <laughs> and stuff like that. But the, <laughs> as far as I know, you can get up and walk out the bar any time. <laughs> so I think they're definitely there for you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, being that this was only the first show that I just did uh, at this pub, um, I mean, I have people that said they're going to come back, so I guess it's just really a matter of time to see if that was the alcohol talking or not. Uh, I mean, I also have that other weekly show at the pizzeria, and I have teams that come back week after week. Uh, So, yeah, I, I mean, they must be having some fun with it uh either that or they just they're always winning i mean there are you know that happens sometimes you get a team that tends to dominate sometimes Mm. but but it's also so rewarding when that team of self-proclaimed losers comes up with the big win at the very end and and takes the top prize you know and frankly everybody kind of roots for that and makes them happy so yeah and that's that's built into a lot of uh good game show presentation and content anyway that ability to never quite be out of it the the final jeopardy aspect or you know the the final round points are doubled kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah i mean game shows have elements of luck in them i mean even the most pure of them which i would imagine a lot of people would say is jeopardy you've got your daily doubles and your final jeopardy and even like uh, a most recent champion you might think of james holzhauer who would go all in on almost every daily double he hit, you know, uh, of course, having control of the board, being able to find the daily doubles uh, was a little bit of skill on his part. But at the same time, he's not champion anymore. There was something that happened in one of those games where the chips just didn't fall Mm -hmm. his way. And it might have been an intelligence thing. It might have just been a, a factoid. But I think that luck had to have played a part in it as well. Yeah, that, that combination of luck and skill, especially in the board game or board game in the game show context. Uh, if you can hit that sweet spot, I think you have a really good design to your game mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, I think of things like Wheel of Fortune, uh, which are, you know, you're more I, I don't want to say mass market, but you're more accessible game shows uh, from the casual viewer's perspective because everybody knows words, presumably. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the fact that the wheel is is designed to be a giant, like 20 foot across randomizer uh, lends itself into the nature of that gameplay, you know, determining uh, ultimately your winner without necessarily rewarding the person who's the best or smartest or knows the most. And it gives you that feeling at home. It's like, uh, of you know feeling like you could be competitive and you could win mm. yeah, I, yeah you can watch any random episode of wheel of fortune and you're just going to see somebody who keeps hitting the lose a turn or the bankrupt and can't get any traction and you just you, you feel bad for them i mean that's kind of the drama that a game show wants to create and you're like man that's just a real shame you know that and uh you know, you got to root for those underdogs sometimes. Sometimes they come out of it ahead, and sometimes they just get roadblocked, and you just feel for them. I will say this, uh, as far as, and I I assume this goes for all three of us, we've probably stolen ideas from popular game shows and adapted them to a pub quiz context uh, here and there. You know, few and far between, of course, he said, winking in an audio medium. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the luck aspects, the things like the wheels, those unfortunately probably aren't going to translate as well over. Uh, the more luck that factors into your pub quiz, your pub trivia game, the 
riskier it is that you'd find a situation where players are actually off put by it especially uh the players who are dedicated to playing pub trivia on a weekly basis because to them it's about showing knowledge it is a purely competitive kind mm -hmm. of venture so any thoughts on that is there uh, is there a way to adapt uh you know that that luck based game show mechanic into a pub quiz context a little more without running the risk of, you know, every week basically literally being a dice roll as to who wins? Well, I think the thing is that you have to have... A, I'm kind of going to play devil's advocate here. Um, like, you have to have some element of quote-unquote randomness in there, whether that's um, from the selection of the questions or, um, you know, something like that, because having the same people win week on week can be... It, it drives people away sometimes um it, it can be you know you've got this unbeatable team that's just there week after week after week and if if you are kind of making that competitive environment having that first place team just be be first constantly um i can i can see that being a, a deterrent to anybody kind of newer to the community um, now, let me ask you at the larder, how do you deal with that? Because I, I've, I've been in there a couple times, and I can't help but notice all the goddamn foxes, tipster. I can't help that they're almost they're they're almost out of the picture frame and all over the the bar. Um, but the way that I deal with it is, I try and take it away from that competitive aspect. Um, I I try and make it not all about winning um that's my way of dealing with it and it's i know it's basically just not answering the question just completely dodging it um and sidestepping it but it it's a heck of a lot easier than trying to come up with something um that would because effectively what you're then doing is am i actively disadvantaging this team am i going out of my way to hamper someone and that doesn't quite sit right with me. So I... Yeah, I... It, it would be one thing to, to handicap uh, a competitive recurring team, which you could make the argument is fair game, uh, and I don't want to have that argument necessarily today. Uh, but it's a whole other thing to, to leave it up to the whims of fate. If you were to build in a mechanic, uh, for instance, that says, hey, you know, I'm running a four-round game. Uh, questions in one of the rounds are going to be worth one point each for these teams, roll the dice, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and basically kind of randomly assign uh, weights Yeah. based on that, you'll find that the strong teams are still going to rise to the top more often than not, but you do have that potential maybe to see a little bit of variety in, in the overall top spot on the leaderboard. I don't know if this is a good idea. I'm on five hours of sleep, uh, but <laughs> it's it's a way you could approach it. Yeah, I think the the other thing is having rounds being worth different amounts of points or questions being worth different amounts of points um, certainly helps the randomness aspect of it if you're not kind of... If you're not entirely difficulty waiting every round, um, you know, sometimes those those high-value high, high value questions aren't going to hit where... Um, you know, that particular team's knowledge is and they'll miss right. out on a bunch of points. And, um, and to bring it back to the game show thing a little bit. Sorry, I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's what gives a show like Jeopardy one of its biggest advantages is it's mm. uh, it's set up with, what, 12 categories, broadly speaking, per game. 
Uh, and we all know that you're going to have some history content. You're going to have some geography content in there. You're going to have some pop culture. But the balance of that, you don't know from episode to episode. And you don't know what the specialty subjects are going to be. And sometimes you're going to get incredibly lucky. Uh, and sometimes there's going to be a video game round that nobody gets a question right on and it becomes a viral YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and, and like you said um, earlier, Final Jeopardy, nobody knows what that category is going to be until it comes up. So if it's something that you're that's not in your field, like you're kind of hoping that everybody else messes up, really, and you, you're, you're hedging your bets. So... Um, it, it it kind of plays both ways, I feel. I mean, uh, you did something similar to Final Jeopardy in your final question, um, or at least you used to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, that was straight ripped off of Final Jeopardy. I will be the first to concede <laughs> that point. Um, and, and Jeopardy has been an inspiration for a lot of um, trivia writers. Um, I, I know Jeff, RMT Trivia, does a Jeopardy round um, each week, or at least used to before their break i don't i don't know if it's weekly but it's still a recurring theme in his shows mm -hmm. um and as for kind of taking mechanics from quiz shows um that's kind of where a, a lot of um my inspiration from game shows and quiz shows has come from for my pub trivia um is the way in which either the round works or the questions are asked as opposed to the actual content of the questions themselves. Um, so a prime example, Richard Osman's House of Games. Um, they, It's basically an hour-long show where there's like five mini-rounds that are completely different along the scale. Um, you know, some... Some some rounds where there's questions written by like five year olds. Oh lord! Um, yeah, um, and the 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 object isn't to get the right answer; it's to get the answer that the five year old would have given when they wrote the question. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, ringing a bell. I had a guest host months and months ago, uh, Matt Jones, um, you know, prolific crossword specialist, Matt mm -hmm. Jones, and he did a, a Richard Osman's. House of Games inspired round where he asked children from as young as four to as old as like 15 to write a trivia question. And I kid you not, one of the trivia questions from like a four year old uh, contributor was, why did the car stop? <laughs> the correct and only answer we accepted was because the light is red. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, technically correct is the best kind of correct. Am I well, right? that's what we had on the card, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, for instance, um, I've uh, done stuff like um, taken a um, a thing and changed a letter and written a new thing for that thing, and that's that. That idea is ripped pretty much wholesale from Richard Osman's House of Games. Um, Likewise, with some of the answer smash kind of mushed together before and after stuff that I do as well. Oh, hey, um, that actually came before Richard Osman oh, on a aware. show called Smush, which I think I mentioned on a podcast uh, some time ago, uh, one of the quadrivia ones, I should say, uh, where it's the people that actually made, you don't know Jack, Jellyvision and company, uh, they created 
kind of a before and after, but it's where syllables could overlap. So it doesn't have just to be word to word, but it could be syllable to syllable. Uh, of course, here, you know what? I've got a spreadsheet, naturally. With of like course all you of have these a spreadsheet, yeah. Things on them, and I do have a smush tab here, and here it is. So let's like give you an example of one. Um, let's find a, a good one. How about uh, a West Side Story starlet plus another name for a groundhog plus the Love Connection host? Hmm. So the okay, West Side Story starlet, okay, plus uh, another name for a groundhog plus the Love Connection host. That would be Natalie, Natalie Woodchuck Woolery. Woolery, yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, See, here, Love Connection, a, there's a game show I haven't been able to figure out how to, to pub quizify yet. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, because spelling-wise, it's, you know, how do you spell, like, for example, how would you spell this one? This is a little bit easier. A, uh, a friendly cartoon ghost plus a basic headache remedy. Uh, so you cast your... percussive therapy. Ooh, mm, uh, not That's just <laughs> taking a hammer to your temple and hoping. <laughs> I did say, well, that is a simple headache remedy, I have to admit. Uh, but the, the answer on the card, of course, was Casperin. But if you ask people to write that or type it in onto their uh, trivia app, you know, what would you put? Casper with the ER or aspirin with the IR? So, uh, you know, but that, it's a it's a fun category nonetheless, whether oh, you that... call it smush or uh, Richard Osman, either way. Oh, Casperin mm. reminds me of a, I don't want to call it a misstep, but a funny moment that uh, one of our friends in the co-op, uh, Phil Wrighthouse, who recently started streaming trivia, had in a before and after style round. And he was very clear at the beginning that, you know, syllables mattered, phonetics mattered, spelling not so much. And he somehow came up with the Mandalorian Dian. Mandalorian Dian. Yeah. Oh. Mandalorian Indi okay. plus Indian. Mandalorian Dian. Yeah. Oh, I, I, huh? You getting it? That's that's about the response, unfortunately, that question had uh, in a live context, too. Mandalorian-Indian? Yep, Mandalorian-Indian, if you want to emphasize it to make the Indian aspect stick out a little better, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that with that kind of a mechanic, boy, that can stretch a lot of different ways and yeah it did on this tv show so i mean it was uh difficult to say some of the i mean they would sometimes put together five or six things into one string uh to and you had to like memorize from the previous answer they would keep building on it oh, again Lord. and again uh, so that's that's like a, a human trivia peed going right there oh, yeah like goodness. one of the longest ones i'll give you this one uh, Time for Me to Fly Singers plus the 60s TV Western plus Singer of Tears of a Clown plus a shipwrecked sailor who lived on a desert island plus an Italian film goddess plus an insane dog and cat cartoon gives you Ario Speedwagon Smokey Robinson Caruso Sophia Loren and Stimpy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's and amazing. And a partridge in a pear tree. What? Sorry. <laughs> that is I'm, I'm spelling burnt toast again. <laughs> <laughs> after that i told you to turn off that electric blanket but yeah it's it's taking i so a lot of the mechanics rounds i used used to do um and, and will do in the future like i haven't given up on them people who play my games it's just 
time is kind of a thing at the moment. Um, a lot of them are are taking inspiration from game shows. Um, so like all of the connections round rounds I do are pretty much based on only connect, um, which is like a, a highbrow quiz show over here in the UK um, where there is no price. There's the glory of the tournament and that's it. That's how hardcore that show is. Um, uh, is, Yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. Um, I've been watching it for a while. What is it on series like 16 or 17, I want to say now? Something like that, yeah. And to to explain to the American listeners, it's a lot like Tribond, but it's four items instead. And they are not nearly as logically connected as you would think you know so i mean it's it's very lateral thinking first of all to say you know um but you know when you hear the first two things you think you know you have no idea what they could even possibly uh have together um let's see guess what i've got a tab for on my only, spreadsheet oh, of course for only there's connect. a tab of course you that. do <laughs> yeah um so like if you saw the words uh commander colonel right away you might be thinking oh these are some kind of you know military rankings but then you've got caretaker and then you add dashing to that and you think about those words commander colonel caretaker and dashing and they oh, don't i got seem it now. To, okay oh you think you've got that one really what do you have? Oh, you said command colonel. What was the third one? Uh, caretaker. Yeah. Uh, and dashing. Comma. Carrot. Colon. And dash. Uh, they're uh, all words wow. that start with uh, symbols of the like grammatical alpha. I don't know. The, the yeah, no. You're, there you go. You're absolutely correct, though. They are all uh, words that begin with a punctuation mark. Oh. Spelling wise. How about that? Look at that is... look at this guy over here, huh? Yeah. That is well. You're catching me at a good time. I am the current champion of foreplay. Uh, the podcast from the Oaks Media Group uh, going into the next season in about three weeks, uh, and foreplay is very, very similar to the concept of only connect. Mm-hmm. So, not to wow. toot my own horn, but you know, if anybody was going to get that, God, I hope it was me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, uh, go ahead, Tipster. I mean, uh, you're. It's the British game shows are a big inspiration for me as well. So what else are you seeing on your side of the pond? Uh, so um, kind of more on my side of the pond, uh, going for gold, it w- like doesn't air anymore, um, but was an old game show that had this semi-final that um, was... Um, I'm going to start reading a description of a person and over time the points are going to decline. Um, and that's that's very much kind of similar to how um, uh, PQB Live runs their games. Um, and it's a, it's a mechanic I've wanted to do for a while. I just don't know how to implement it with the software that I have right now. Uh um quick but, quick tip on that go one uh sentence or one phrase at a time as its own question and give a quick timer that could work that could work 
having uh, having done a similar style of like theme round at my live shows years and years ago which for the record i stopped doing because i'm pretty sure people were fucking cheating at it uh and because of the nature of the round it was a one and done kind of thing um mm. that that's effectively the way i did it it was a uh, 10 sentences increasingly more specifically pinned down to one figure or event or what have you so uh consider that i'll help you play with it okay yeah. that format I'm... though i love the the format idea uh i know that that has been in sale of the century for example that was what they would call their fame game question and it was a very long description again starting with the esoteric facts and moving on to the practically giving you the first name and the last initial of a person or something like that but it's like that that is kind of a tough thing to put into either a you know an online experience or a live experience unless you stretch it out as its own round and you're giving the clues one at a time because that's i think one of the problems with having a pub quiz is that generally you can't buzz in uh, mm -hmm. And and that is something, honestly, I kind of miss. I would love to be able to have buzz-in type things. But if you do that, first of all, how many teams do you have? And second mm -hmm. of all, you've got teams. So, you know, who's going to be the person buzzing in? I wouldn't want to be the person that's not buzzing in at my table. That's the fun part, you know. But at the same time, I don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah, anything uh, with a buzzer or a lock-in mechanic. Because you can do it using either uh, technology that exists out there, you know, relatively cheaply or smartphones and some kind of third party website. Uh, mm -hmm. But the fundamental problem is once you get above, you know, four participants and it's a lockout style mechanic, boy, is that not fun for 80% of your players? Yeah. I've actually uh, seen a solution uh, to this where it's got multimedia and everything. And it's something along the lines of, uh, they ask a question and then answers flash up on the board one at a time and you buzz in when you see it. Uh, and like the quickest that, you know, you get points based on how quick you are or if you get it wrong, you're locked out. You know, and I've never seen that played live, but it okay, is something that, that intrigues Would that me. be kind of like, because what you're saying describe, um, visualizes my head just like the Jack Attack at the end of the, you don't know, Jack That's series of, of party well. games? Yeah, uh, You know, mostly uh, that is kind of what it is. Um, I think that this one might allow multiple people to get points on the correct answer, but you're absolutely right. Answers that flash up, and uh, if you buzz in and you're wrong, lose the points, you get it right when you see the right answer. Or in the case of the Jack Attack, it's first in gets it. You know, although the most recent You Don't Know Jack, uh, which was released in 2018, I think it was on the Jackbox Party Pack 5, that is a very multiplayer mm -hmm. experience and they have kind of a similar situation where six possible answers will show up and you can actually tap on multiple answers that you think are right and the faster you tap on it uh, the more money that you win on that so similar kind of situation going there mm. yeah i think that's uh, a superior implementation of that especially in a larger player context for sure um, yeah. As far as the tools that we have available to us as as pub quiz hosts, uh, uh, and I think James are using the TribNow interface now, right? Yes, I am. So, so I can speak kind of to an informed uh, space on this. We have timestamps down to the millisecond mm. True, uh, yes. that we could potentially leverage to, to do a mechanic like that and put up very quickly, you know, a question that's 
both speed-based and where we control what the speed-based nature is to a fine-tuned degree. If you just want to award points to the first three teams to lock in correctly, you can. You can just sort those answers by speed and disinclude anything else. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is something that I could look into. Um, it At the moment, I'm still working on like a brand new format with my brand new venue that's pretty much just, you know, your uh, eight category, uh, I should say uh, eight questions in a category one at a time with a few bonuses here or there. So I don't know that I'm going to branch out into that quite yet, but uh, it is something that, of course, being the game show fan that I am intrigues me and uh, something that I'll definitely look into in the near future. Uh, you know, there are some other shows that have the the buzz-in mechanic that are kind of back in the 80s mm-hmm. that, unfortunately, you're probably not going to see reboots of them, uh, although one of them oh. did come back, and, and some of them are take a turn with uh, simple ones, but uh, things like Tic-Tac-Doe, Joker's Wild, and Blockbusters, which I know Blockbusters is over in the UK as well. I know that it's yeah. come back and, and have gone and come it's, back time and time it's again. It's been through more regenerations than both the Sugar Babes and Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, it's... <laughs> Uh, it keeps getting a revival every five years, and to be fair, we're probably due another one in uh, next year. Uh, at this point, <laughs> now, now remind me as somebody who really enjoyed game shows growing up, but doesn't remember a lot of the specific mechanics of them. Blockbuster is the one with the big ass beehive, right? Yes, yes that's the, the beehive, beehive board beehive. with okay. the letters on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and, and the yeah the letter aspect I really like. I like having. You know, something where I can ask, you know, uh, uh, what O is the capital of Washington State? Now, obviously a simple question, but that's the, you know, the idea or the bonus round, which might have multiple letters like uh, O-U-A-T is how a story might begin. And you'd say... Oh, Utica territory. I don't know. Oh, Utica. No, I don't know that. My Utica. (laughs) How lovely are your branches? Wait, no. The Uh, hell do you think a Utica is? I don't know. It's a city Uh, in upstate New York. You started singing Oh Christmas Tree. So I went with it. Okay. The Utica crop's coming in nice this year, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, can't we harvest the Utica berries? But that's that's something that I've taken from Blockbuster myself as well, using what first letter to pin down an answer, to go, this is the answer I'm looking for, where a, a question can be particularly squirrely. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, I like doing uh, that too, but only when I can make it funny. So it's usually, what F word? Or, you know, give me the D yeah. that blah, 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 blahs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give me the D that... Oh my goodness, it's been a long time. Uh, hey now. I've seen one of those. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I think one of the other ones that I took inspiration from um, was Pointless. Um, back when I did my kind of in the balance round where the least popular answer got a bonus point out of several pop- popular answers. Um, oh, and I think... are we are we talking about trivia games where the least popular answers are worth points, my friends? Yeah, yes, we are. <laughs> Have you ever done something like that, Jason? Uh, you know, once or twice, actually. Uh, huge shout out to uh, Omar Mahmoud from the Trivial Warfare Army who created a game, uh, you, you know, a year or two ago, I think, um, on their on their social media pages called Sheep, 
where it was basically trivia nerds doing Family Feud or Family Fortunes. Now, that's a great idea, and people have a lot of fun with it, but I don't like the idea of Family Feud-style pub trivia games. And it's weird because they're very prevalent out there, and I know that they are, um, probably in terms of you know pub quiz content uh, in public spaces. You have your standard pub quiz, and then you have Family Feud-style games. As I don't a matter like of that. fact, I'm weird that way. Uh, one of uh, the shows that I had before COVID hit uh, was me doing trivia, and I looked it up, and they are back, and they are doing a feud show. And I actually had one of my teams that was at my current weekly show. Uh, they weren't there one week, and they came back, and they said, yeah, we went back over there, and we played the feud game. And they said it was fun in its own right. Uh, mm -hmm. It wasn't trivia, though, you know, I mean, it, it is a, a game of knowledge about the human psyche. Yes. I mean, that is what Family Feud and Family Fortunes is all about. But it isn't what they were necessarily looking for. And like you said, people are going to like that kind of stuff, but it might not be for you, Jason. It might yeah, not I... be for Tipster. It might not be for your crowd. And I would argue um, that it's going to have a broader reach than something like pub trivia is but now to your to your point you know does it match what i want to do and does it match what i think my my players want to do so i i agree with that wholeheartedly well let me ask you this because i have done a category once of about five survey questions and at my new venue i am planning on doing occasionally a survey question where i will ask them to give me any eight of the top X answers to a survey question. Um, what do you think, uh, uh, you know, a common trivia crowd will do about that? Being that it is one question out of 40 plus, uh, and it is worth a, a decent chunk of points, but not a necessarily a game breaker, let's say. Uh, I think I know how I would implement it. Can you give me a quick exemplar style uh, question just so I understand, make sure that I'm thinking about this the same way that you're thinking of presenting it? Absolutely. Um, let me find one that I'm actually planning on using. Uh, here's one. Give a single word that can be used to describe a shade of green. And I'm going to ask them to give me eight answers, and I have the top 12 answers as possibilities. Oh, okay. Uh, so for that, what I would definitely do is uh, do it as a halftime style handout round. Okay. This is going to be a halftime bonus, so it's not necessarily okay. going to be a handout, but they will be doing exactly that. They'll have a nice long time period to think about it, mm -hmm. and they can supply me with eight answers. Yeah, give them you know, a good five minutes or so and have them you know, submit all the answers at once, and you take that halftime break and grade them. I, I think that you, you've got some positivity there. It plays a lot like standard halftime style handout rounds would. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it strictly speaking trivial content? No, but fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want it's me. It's my show. I want right. to do this. And so, and you of the three of us are definitely more of the, the game show host and the person who's going to lean into ideas and mechanics mm -hmm. like that. So it feels very, very on brand. I wholeheartedly endorse this idea and will probably steal it. All right. I'll tell you <laughs> that um, a, a long while back, I actually did these surveys myself on Reddit. So you can imagine how some of these answers might have ended up going. Oh, uh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, now, no. 
I'm going to tell you, there are two answers on here that I think are, they're not necessarily like vulgar or anything, but they're just a little bit surprising. I mean, you've got, you know, shades of green. You've got mm. forest. That was the number one. Number two was lime. Number three was grass. Number five, puke. Eh. Num- huh. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have so, predicted that. It depends. It depends how popular the, uh, what, what are they called? Um, the, the, the beans that could be two flavors that are the same. Yeah. Color. Yeah. My, one of those oh, is vomit the, the jelly belly oops, <laughs> one, all yeah. vomit ones. Yeah. Yeah. Vomit green. But uh, my my other one, which was kind of surprising, number six, uh, this, this is the sixth most popular word to use to describe a shade of green. Dark. Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> Technically it's correct. An adjective. <laughs> like. Did light make I, the cut now? No, light did not. Um, and neither did a, a few others that I kind of expected to, at least in the top 12. Like, pea green didn't make it, and neon green didn't make it, but things like verdant and mint did. Hmm. You know, oh, so. Verdant is a very good so, word for that. So, I think the thing is that dark, you can put that in the same category as neon. You can put that in front of any color. You, you um, do have a point, yeah. Like, you can have neon blue and neon pink. They are, you know, mm-hmm. interchangeable. Neon uh, gray, can't... as they all look like to me. Uh... <laughs> well, so it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you do have some trolley, quote-unquote, trolley answers in there, just like maybe, you know, preface it with, you know, this is a survey of people and... Uh, people are weird. People oh, yeah, but... are people. That's what People I think. Do stuff. That's what I think is going to make this a little bit more of a fun question, you know, for us to say, get a load of this. They said dark, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's going to play in a bit. And I don't know if you've put any thought into this, but it's going to play in a bit of an equalizer role, I think, mm-hmm. because your your strong, you know, general knowledge book knowledge style teams are going to think of, you know, words like, oh Good. crap, this is green, so I can't even give you good words for it. I'm going to say vermilion hilariously wrongly. Emerald. Emerald, uh, yeah. Uh, they're going to give you, you know, like 64 count Crayola color names mm-hmm. for green, and they're not going to think of dark. Yeah. Whereas the, the family team who's got their, you know, 10-year-old with them, the 10-year-old's <laughs> going to say, what about dark? And, you know, they're going to want to make their kid feel like he's part of the team. So they're going to put it and then they're going to be the only team who picks up that point. (laughs) So true, though. That's so true. I can totally see that happening. So going back to the get the foxes off the wall idea we had with Tipster about 20 minutes ago. uh, Equalizers are good. I like the idea. And it it plays as one of those game showy mechanics that I think is going to let you uh, show your personality and your format off a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Tipster and I have been talking a lot about the game shows that we like and that we pull from. Is there anything in particular that you've used, Jason, that uh, we haven't mentioned or uh, anything that you, you want to pipe up about, like different shows that you enjoyed well, that you have pulled questions from? Well, for or the at least first, question ideas. <laughs> yeah, for the first few years of uh, doing live shows, I was doing two games a night. The first was a standard team-based trivia game. Uh, took about two hours. And then the second, because I came from an environment that, you know, bar entertainment should last about four hours. I came from a DJ and a karaoke kind of mindset. So 
you know, I figured, oh, I'm trying to give my venue their money's worth. I'm going to run something that's going to keep people in their bar for four hours. Side note, terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> but so for the second half, I would do an individual themed game show game. Uh, and some of them were as simple as, you know, I figured out and programmed a way to do like massively multiplayer press your luck. Uh, I was doing things like duel. If you remember the. Oh, uh, yes. The was that Mike oh, Greenberg God. who hosted that or Mike? It was one of the mics from Mike and Mike in the morning. Uh, yeah, that hosted that on ABC caster. here in the States. Yeah, I think it was Mike Greenberg. But that was the one where you get, you know, 10 chips and all ten the questions chip, are yeah. multiple choices. Two accelerators. Yep, and I know, and and oh. I know where you're coming from with this, uh, Tipster. Huge shout out to is it Royal Flush who does a version uh, of no, it's Duel Ash. or is it at, it's Bash. at Bash? Yeah. Okay, well yeah. that's how you shout out both of them in one sentence, exactly on Twitch. Um, who are specialists in the online space for doing explicitly game show content? Huge shout out to uh, here in the states, Listwitz as well, mm. um, who definitely focuses more on the the retro side of quiz shows uh he'll do you know he'll do like old school blockbusters uh whereas ash and and ben aka royal flush are focusing more on uh things like duel and who wants to be a millionaire and Um, uh game shows i'm not even familiar with being primarily british like a thousand heartbeats yeah um a thousand heartbeats blockbusters is in ben's repertoire as well oh okay um uh, what else? Countdown, which is the letters and numbers game that I don't know if it did that well over there in the States. I can't I say they, it's ringing a bell. I think they tried to do a pilot over here, but no, nah, it just didn't hit. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's probably, you know, along the lines of uh, Countdown and Only Connect, it might survive on PBS, maybe, mm. um, unless there was some, you know, esoteric cable channel that would hold those kind of games yeah because as much as i enjoy them they are just not going to be for the general american audience unfortunately it's just that they're you know i mean not it is not that americans are dumb it's just that they don't want to watch i feel like you know it's it's smart people doing smart people things and (laughs) and the thing that americans don't ever want to feel is like they're not smart yeah, so I mean, as a game shows, right? Game shows are supposed to have a play along factor, and yeah. I gotta say, the first time I was watching Only Connect, I could not play along. But at the same time, there was, you know, like that very first time that I got something way before the other teams, I was like, "Oh, look at that! I I completely demolished you," and it felt so good <laughs> to do that on such a, a brainy show. So. You know, it's the little pats on the back that you can give yourself. Yeah, I get that vibe entirely. Now, eventually, I'm going to do a version of Only Connect uh, on my streams. It's probably going to be more of the connecting wall format slash foreplay that I've alluded to earlier. But that's going to happen at some point. Uh, Other games that I have done at least live, uh, if not online, um, just off the top of my dome, I did a version of uh, Deal or No Deal like a weirdly massively Ooh. multiplayer version of deal or no deal. I went out and bought a giant magnetic whiteboard and like 26 oh. envelopes and it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've done, um, I'm trying to think and, and James, you're the perfect person to ask uh, game shows that involve big ass cards. 
Uh, play well, your cards right. Play your cards, cards right, or as it's known over here, uh, card sharks. Card sharks. Uh, I did a version of that. I, I don't remember exactly what the rules were because it was about a decade ago. But I went on, you know, Amazon and I found like a four dollar deck of giant, like oversized. These are like two foot by one foot playing cards, and I think, uh, I I think it was more the high low aspect of card sharks. Yeah. That mm. I used uh, than anything else, and uh, you know, people were trying to ultimately uh, land the highest streak they could. Um, yeah, it was dumb, but I liked it. Uh, I've done, you know, massively multiplayer versions of Wheel of Fortune. I've screwed around with Jeopardy. Um, just doesn't scale well. Uh, Greed, if you guys are familiar uh, with the Chuck Woolery, Woolery show from like the early 2000s, I did a version of as well. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of that. And I think that there was something either Australia or UK. They had Greed. Uh, yeah, it was, it was in the vein of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It was a very popular big budget game show that got international was, appeal for, for a yeah, stretch of time. Yeah, it was in the million pound era um, mm -hmm. of game shows. Um, ours was hosted by Jerry Springer. Um, oh, and, that's right. No yeah. kidding, okay. And yeah. um, one of the one of the chasers who was currently on the chase, um, uh, um, Sean Wallace, um, aka the Dark Destroyer, um, now that's not was, the that's not the beast that we got here in the U.S. on the no, first that's, adaptation. That's of Mark Labette. Thank you. Mark Labette has been on his fair share of game shows um, as well, including Millionaire Fifteen to One, uh, the People's Quiz. If people remember that, um, only Connect yes, Two, I think. Yeah, uh, I believe I can't remember. I maybe I don't remember that being a thing, but yeah. <laughs> You no, know, um, I think you know. I think I do remember because he was just so much larger than his other two players. You know, I mean, he is just a big, tall, wide guy, and you know, he is such a presence. Would you call you him a help. beast of a man? I you you would. I mean, That's... it it fits for sure. Um, but yeah, back to greed. That idea of taking a wall of answers and choosing from that wall of answers. Um. Like that's that's very similar to Wipeout for me as well. Oh yeah, mm, yeah, okay. Um, in that you know you've got this set list of answers and you have to choose four of the eight that are correct or um, things like that. And again, that's on the list. I have a list. <laughs> it's quite extensive of mechanics I want to do at some point. Yeah, I can see how that mechanic would work uh, in an online context and, and through something like Triv now, because it sounds like something you're already kind of doing with your uh, your final round, your accumulator, where mm -hmm. the number of answers you give directly correlates to the number of points you can earn, but there is a risk factor. So with the accumulator, that's uh, somewhat, and, and shout out to uh, Daniel Peak, aka Quizzy Dan on Twitch, um, uh, who originally came up with this idea um, and hosted a game called Accumulate um, on a student TV network, <laughs> of all things, um, back in the day. Um, but the idea of, you know, the, the score ramping up with the more correct answers you give was something that I took from that show. Um, the idea that the more risk you get, the more reward you have, but also that there's... Uh, uh, I still wanted people to get something for trying. Mm -hmm. That that was that was my thing. That was my my slight twist to it was was 
you know, you you got something right here. Have a point, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, but if you're so if you're gonna, better and more clever and strategic, you get more points. Yeah. So I, I assume, for example, if there were uh, eight answers to a question, uh, giving five of those answers would be worth one plus two plus three plus four plus five. Am I or something along those lines? That's a similar way of doing it. And that's very similar to how Wipeout does it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, how I do it is it's five separate questions. Um you see all of these five questions first, and then at the end, after you've had a minute's thinking time on each question, you've got three minutes to lock in your answers. You can lock in as many or as few answers as you like. The more correct answers you give, the more that each successive correct answer is worth. So your first correct answer is worth one, second's worth two, third is worth three, all up to five, maximum of 15 points in the round. Um, if you give me a wrong answer at any point, it used to be that you get zero. And I yeah. felt kind of bad, uh, so I was like, I was like, you get one point for each correct answer you submit. Yeah, um, I feel like with that zero, it it prevents teams who were you know confident on one, maybe two for sure, from from taking that stab at a second or a third one because they don't want to lose the point or points that they definitely yeah. have. Um, you know, the risk reward is too high at that point. This new mechanism, once you get you know your first two or three locked in, that's when you really start considering if you want to reach. Uh, but you know, if you only know an answer or two, then you know your your punitive result for taking a stab is nowhere near as bad. Yeah, it's it's one of those where I've seen people take risks and lose effectively six points as a result, um, which you know going from ten down to four. Um, and I've seen other people play it safe, go for the go for the ten, and then f like posited the answer in chat as I'm revealing them and it's like yeah that's that's right uh you didn't submit that though so 10 points instead of 15 but hey you still get 10 points um uh that yeah that's kind of where my my end game is at the moment that's that's the the kind of finale of my quiz mm -hmm. um and it seems to work rather well not so much as an equalizer, but as a you're still in the game kind of question. Yeah, with the, the scoring system that you use, 15, you know, anywhere from 0 to 15 points is a massive swing and can absolutely turn the tides. Yeah. So I like the balance on that. Um, so we've been talking about game shows and trivia for, you know, nigh an hour now. And you know what somehow I have failed to bring up? Go on. Lingo. Oh, yeah. Lingo. Uh, the, the the show I know through Game Show Network and its original Chuck Woolery uh, <laughs> implementation, which apparently long predates it. it. Apparently, it's a Canadian show from back in like the 80s. Uh, not only a Canadian show, but also from like the Netherlands. And yeah. I want to say, uh, I think it ha I don't think it's still on, but I mean, it had a huge run of probably like 20 years plus, I want to say. And uh, I actually, like, watched an episode of it, you know, of course, not understanding anything that they said. And, you know, they have six-letter words. It's like, oh, look at that, six-letter words. And then, like, one of the letters was IJ. It was literally two letters in one box. I was like, hey, wait a minute. That's not the way the alphabet works. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it was uh, – I'm, I'm trying to, you know, go through Wikipedia right now to try mm -hmm. to find out. 
Uh, well, they've got the American game show and the British game show, but nothing about the Netherlands, of course. So uh, I'll see if I can um, find that. But, I mean, that is something that you do on your stream, isn't it, Jason? Yeah, it's a... So for those of you who aren't familiar with the game show lingo, it's a it's a word game. Uh, it's equal parts Scrabble and uh, like the the classic strategy tabletop game Mastermind, uh, to where you're trying to guess five letter words in the English language based on the letters that you get confirmation on from each successive uh, submission. I have a couple players in the Chicago area years and years ago uh, who love that game show, and I love that game show too. Uh, don't get me wrong. So when I you know put a feeler out. Back in my days when I was feeling my programming oats, I'm like, okay, I have a week. I could write a new game show for my live shows. What do you want? Uh, and they said, Lingo. I, I knuckled down. I figured out the logic behind it and presented that. And it was easily one of the, the crowd favorites. So when I made the transition back online, um, you know, a year, year or so ago because of the pandemic, and I needed to figure out content uh, that's not just doing a standard pub quiz, that jumped into mind again. And, you know, sat down, figured out a way, weirdly, in like two hours to present this game show effectively through Google Forms and Google Sheets uh, in a very weird, low tech, but complicated kind of way. And then finally, about five, five months ago or so, uh, decided to feel my programming notes again and rebuilt the whole thing from the ground up in Visual Studio. And it works directly natively in, in Twitch chat now. Um, you communicate via whispers to a, a bot program that I built in there. Uh, the graphics are way better. The uh, timers are more enforced, so the game runs more smoothly. And it mm. has been um, one of one of the favorite casual games uh, that people come to my streams for, which is nice. I, you know, I got to say that something like that, you know, if you aren't familiar with Lingo and you know how Mastermind works, where, you know, you give a, a certain combination and you're told how many letters are right or how many are in the wrong place, and you would think, how do you even do that multiplayer? But Jason has done a fantastic job with that, you know, being able to show on the screen what your result is along with everybody else and yet keeping it secret so nobody knows really who said what and playing along with it, it, it was, uh, I, I got a chance to do it a couple of times, and it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, you, you know, I mean, I was able to even get my wife uh, to play along with me on that. Oh, nice. So uh, that's, that was, uh, yeah, not something that's always easy to do. She's kind of one of those people who doesn't want to go to trivia or play along with games because mm -hmm. she doesn't want to feel like she's the one who got the wrong answer. Or she's not piping up enough. But, uh, you know, it's it's all for fun. You know, that's all that matters. And and uh, we had watched Lingo with Chuck Woolery for uh, a while. We did love that as well. So uh, you bringing it to the masses like that was definitely a, a big plus. So uh, Yeah, and a big shout out to Tipster, much, by Jason. the way, Thank who you. is the one and only one and only winner, uh, I think, all time uh, that we've ever had in an elimination style lingo game. Oh, blooming heck. Don't. Oh, that was a night. That was a long night as well. And then everything <laughs> went weird at the very end. And, you know, the, the results were disputed, um, but not really. Yeah. Uh, huge shout out to Tipster on that. Uh, so I think I think we've talked about plenty of ways that we're inspired by game shows and game shows that that we love and that work well in a pub quiz context um mm. do do game shows inspire your general writing not necessarily like theme rounds or mechanics or anything but just um do, do game shows help you write basic trivia questions better or differently i i would say they help with uh so i the way that a lot of uk quiz shows present questions 
um, and the way in which those questions are written are very simplistic. They're very, you know, when was the Battle of Hastings or, you know, this, that or the other. There's not many clues into it. Um, but the topics that they talk about and the answers that they talk about are kind of, I kind of use those as a bit of a launch pad. Um, so, for instance, if, you know, I've watched an episode of Millionaire or The Chase or Impossible recently and I see something that kind of, you know, gets a light bulb going, I'll write that particular answer down and I'll do some research into it and write a question around that thing. Um and then save it for a later week because mm -hmm. I know that there are people in my community who watch those shows <laughs> and will go, I remember this because I watched it on the chase the other day. <laughs> well, that's the good thing about YouTube is being able to go back to either some of those uh, shows from the eighties or nineties and getting facts or uh, in my case, sometimes going to the UK game shows because I don't think that I've got, probably like 0.001% of crossover. I couldn't mm. even imagine that any of my trivia players uh, would be the kind of people to go watch British game shows on YouTube. So, you know, being able to pluck little factoids or uh, question ideas from there, I feel very safe in being able to use them. I don't have to say, you know, let's wait a week or two right. or anything. It's just, there you go. It's ready to go. And, uh, you know, some of the old game shows that I might pick up off of YouTube, like I said, that are American game shows. You know, I sure people might have watched them way back when, but it's not like they're going to say, hey, I remember that from the fifth week episode of season two of Sale of the Century or something like that. You know, <laughs> well, not normal people, just you, James. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if they do say that, that's going to make me raise an eyebrow. Right? <laughs> it's like, have you been you looking at my sheet? You know, uh, if if I could, I, I want to steer the conversation to something else that I just thought of real quick, if you don't mind. Sure, um, sure. It, it, going back to Jeopardy for a second. Now, I know that most of us and probably a lot of trivia hosts uh, have, have garnered ideas or facts from that show. But what do you do if you find a host that pulls anywhere, uh, I mean, let's just say a, a heavy percentage of their questions f like direct from Jeopardy. And I'm talking like if you Google the phrasing that they used, you're probably going to find that exact phrasing on Jeopardy. And, it, it, you know, mm. I mean, there's a possibility that it could be a coincidence, uh, you know, because frankly, Jeopardy has probably asked almost any fact you can think of you know, being on for 30 plus years, 8,000 plus episodes. But, uh, you know, I have seen and heard questions from hosts that I was like, that is really weirdly said. And, and then I looked up the phrasing and it's like, yeah, there's a Jeopardy clue for it. And I have found uh, games where like 25%, maybe even up to 50% might have been pulled from Jeopardy. So what are your thoughts on that kind of of taking if you will well my my first thought the thing that jumps to mind is i feel like there'd be a big tip off because of the answer and question nature of jeopardy itself uh i mean obviously you can take the the phrasing that jeopardy is is iconically recognized for and and turn it into a standard pub trivia worded question uh but then fundamentally because 
uh, Jeopardy often uses some pretty Pavlovian style clues to get you to places. And the fact that they've probably asked somewhere in the ballpark of a half million questions at that that point, uh, it's it's really hard uh, to identify. You know, is this coincidental? Is this general knowledge, or did somebody just go to a website like the Jeopardy archive and and do like a copy paste? Um, that said, I will concede that I am very guilty of pulling questions directly from Jeopardy, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. But for a number of years, uh, because I had so much concern about how valuable my final question was and the, the fact checking and accuracy of the wording and everything. Uh, I would go back to years old episodes of Jeopardy and pull their final questions because I trusted not only their writers and researchers, but their ability to dial in the difficulty of a question where I wanted it to be for the results I was looking for in my game. Now, not not doing that anymore. I've, I've changed uh, in the last year or so how I do my final question. But that said, I I can't say that I have a hard line in the sand as to um, homaging Jeopardy versus using it as a jumping off point for a question versus versus taking a basic fact uh, kind of in whole cloth from there and presenting it as a question, because there's only so many ways you can ask, you know, what the least dense planet in the solar system is. <laughs> and that's a yeah, question that's yeah. probably come up 10 to 30 times across the series run of Jeopardy. It's it's a chestnut question. Jeopardy has those in addition to plenty of other things. Um, yeah, I mean, you're like I was saying, there there are only a fine. Well, I say there's a finite number of facts, but, you know, I mean, there's going to be a core set of facts that it's got to be a coincidental happening that you're going to ask a question that probably appeared on Jeopardy in some fashion, you know. Uh, without you even realizing it, simply because it's just, uh, you know, uh, yeah. something uh, well, that's also, known. Also, Jeopardy has had that many episodes and that many questions over the course mm -hmm. of those episodes that, yes, you will ask things that have been on Jeopardy before. Um, and and okay. vice versa, because this just popped into mind. I remember about two years ago, a regular of mine watching Jeopardy the day after my weekly show, sending me a <laughs> screen cap of almost exactly worded the same question I had presented the night before. <laughs> now, this was a first run episode of Jeopardy, which obviously was recorded months earlier and, and finally released. But there's there's no way I could have taken it from them. I found out about it and everyone found out about it after I had written and presented mine. Uh, so he sent that to me. And it's just it's pure coincidence um, because, you know, Jeopardy and I are doing the same thing. We're asking people questions for for bucks yeah. or or pounds or whatever <laughs> unit of weight you use for money now i don't know anymore. and I, 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 yeah. go ahead go ahead man um so what what i was going to say is you can't like you can't copyright facts the way you present them is the thing that um distinguishes it right like right. i would say that if you're taking something whole cloth from some some source whether it's jeopardy whether it's millionaire whether it's um you know a, another streamer um or another online quiz then if if you're not even bothering to change the way in which that question is presented then you should really be accrediting that to them mm -hmm. um at least or it's like, it's the literal definition of plagiarism exactly um you know, but if you take if you take that information and then represent it in a different fashion or wrap it in a different packaging, 
um, then I don't see anything wrong with that because, as, as we've said, there's a there's a limited number of askable facts mm-hmm. in the universe. I um, have two things I want to follow up on that. Okay. Um, you know, uh, listen, if you're a new trivia host and you have been, you know, borrowing facts from Jeopardy or whatever, it, you know, it's not like we're going to come hunt you down or, or, oh, God, or, no. or, you know, sue you or anything or that Sony is going to go after you or anything. You know, just you're going to learn. That's one thing. Uh, second, Jeopardy has taken clues from Jeopardy. In other words... <laughs> They have reused word for word some of their own clues from the past. So it's not like, you know, that they're coming up with everything absolutely fresh every time. Because I've done some research on J-Archive and I'm like, well, hey, look at that. Uh, You know, 2007 and that's the, the clue. And in 2003, exact same clue, word for word, you know, so... What, yeah, what can you I've say stumbled about across that? that as well, for sure. Yeah. Um, because I often use J-Archive as a jumping off point when I I know what the answer needs to be, but I'm not sure what route to take the question. I'll, you know, look because they'll have gone five to ten different routes on something and I'll look and go, OK, oh, I like this angle. I can include this. I don't want to go that route and then go to the Wikipedia page uh, for what I found or just do a Google search and then, you know, pepper it up in a, in a different way myself. But it's it's a really nice jumping off point as long as it's not a crutch right yes if you're oh, always going to j archive for everything then you gotta start <laughs> spreading your wings and flying you gotta figure out other ways to get facts you know just start hit the random page on wikipedia the random page link just start going to uh, different you know encyclopedia websites and and looking up articles Anything, you know, you got to that's why, you know, as a trivia host, you're always learning things as well. You're not just spouting facts. You have to be mindful and, and researching the things that you're looking up and, and asking about. You know, I mean, you can't always take everything for fact. I mean, even Jeopardy, the, you know, I, as much as they research and make sure that everything is factually correct. There are times where, you know, hey, we invited a player back because of an error or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like Jeopardy is infallible. So you're, you're going to, you know, you might make mistakes. Your, the places that you research might have made mistakes, whatever the case. It's all right. You know, you just got to roll with it and, and move on. Um, you uh, and Jason, you said that you can't copyright facts, and I don't remember. And Tipster, maybe you can remember if I mentioned this on another episode of Quadrivia um, that somebody set up a copyright trap in one of their trivia books. Yes. Ah, uh, the where, Columbo story. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm glad to hear that you all know about that uh, story, Jason and, and Tipster, um, where somebody said. What is Columbo, the uh, detective? What is Lieutenant Columbo's first name? And they threw in the name Philip. They just literally made that up. And then Trivial Pursuit asked the game, <laughs> uh, asked, asked the question, I should say, uh, what is Columbo's first name? And they said Philip. And so Which... this guy sued uh, Hasbro or whoever it was for $300 million. Uh, and the judge determined that it was not an actionable offense. So they threw the case out because you can't copyright facts, whether they're right or not. 
Yep. So, but yeah. as as Tipster or James said, I forget who specifically, but the important distinction is while you can't copyright facts, you can absolutely copyright the wording in which you present them. So True. if you're if you're using online game show resources to, to, to flesh out your rounds, do the extra step. It's it's good. It's good for the soul. It's going to make you a better writer. Uh, don't copy paste. Uh, even if you found a really good, you know, trivia source like our our repositories, which are under Vault and Key, um, you know, as part of the the trivia writers co op, we share questions all the time. But I can't think of a single case uh, where I personally have taken a question and just dumped it right into a round. I've usually taken it, looked at it, figured out how I could ask it in my voice, uh, fact checked it, changed any data if necessary, and then presented it. And that's probably best practice. Mm. Yeah, Tipster, you said that you don't like to do that because your show and your questions are your baby, right? Yeah, it's that it's that feeling of I am presenting this content because um you know I don't feel right presenting someone else's content. Uh basically, um you know, I am the face of this and therefore, you know, I'm kind of the one getting credit for it and I don't want to take credit for something that i didn't do which you know is why when um when certain people helped me write an entire week's questions i offered to pay them for it because i didn't do all of the work you know i didn't do all of the heavy lifting you deserve some recompense for you know the work that you did and the time and effort you put into it i Um, think yeah uh, as uh the trivia people who are listening out there if you find yourself in the same shoes as Tipster that you don't feel right about just grabbing a fact or a question from some other source, you, you feel like you have to make it your own, I think that's a pretty good sign that this is like what you are meant to do, You're, uh, or at least you know, it, for this uh, little sidestep that you might have as a, uh, a hobby or a job or whatever. If you're trying to take ownership of your own question and answering then this is the kind of thing that you should be doing and Hmm. i I think it's going to show in the quality of your work so it's uh i think it's a good thing definitely and and that said watch more game shows because they will inspire you in ways that you're not even aware you're being inspired yeah so much so here here all right i think we kind of put a pin on that you guys uh, feel comfortable with that conversation yeah. I definitely do. I feel like, you know, we could pick apart any number of oh, game shows and do like just, hey, could, it's a new podcast, you know. We but. could go on for like hours. I know that m- myself and James could just rant on about it, rant, uh, ramble on about game shows for however long. Um, probably, yeah, its own spin off podcast if we needed it. <laughs> but so uh, maybe, I think. Yeah, Maybe we'll get another chance to do this in, uh, you know, a few months or something. That way we're not boring our listeners with it. And, hey, uh, maybe, you know, if the listeners have anything that they want to say about this or other ways that we could talk about game shows and trivia, they could send us some ideas and we could definitely take uh, some conversations in that direction. We should do a bonus episode at some point or something. Ooh. Ooh. That... probably also let the listeners know where they could send that stuff. Uh, Quadriviapod at gmail.com, probably the best way to suggest... Uh, things like roundtable discussions to follow up uh answer any questions that we posted out to the public and importantly uh and i mean that because we're running low uh submit keywords for our keyword challenge 
You guys ready to jump into that for the week? Oh, yes. Well, I hope you are feeling your oats because uh, Tim Gomez from Cleo Springs, Oklahoma, is going to ask us what we know about prodigy. The keyword for this week is the word prodigy. That's a really good keyword. That can be taken in a lot of different directions. That that's yeah. That's maybe too many. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's no such thing as too many. I can think of three very (laughs) strong directions, and there are three of us, so I am afraid. (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna cross the streams at some point oh I let's, let's hope not uh um, so should we should we step away and get some work done yep yeah, uh for the just quickly for those those who haven't listened to the podcast before we're gonna have 10 minutes um during this short break that you're going to have uh to write our own question with the word prodigy in there somewhere whether that's in the question itself or the answer um, and at the end of it, we're going to compare notes and you get to vote uh, what the best question is over at quadriviapodcast.com. But for now, I'm slightly quaking in my boots at this one. <laughs> oh, I think you'll find that you uh, you jump into this naturally, almost as though you were a prodigy at writing trivia questions. Bam, there's your segue. Ah. We'll see you on the other side of this break. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you that you can check us out online at QuadriviaPod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. In less than 60 seconds, Tim Gomez of Cleo Springs, Oklahoma, is going to challenge these three trivia hosts with his keyword of prodigy. Will they be able to succeed in writing a successful question? Let's find out on Keyword Challenge. I was thinking of the university challenge theme then, but I, I uh, just made one up. Okay. <laughs> We're now going to play that every week. That's going to be a running gag, I suppose. Yeah, James, you're just going to have to give us like a boilerplate read on that because you have the game show voice of game show voices, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. (laughs) Give him the shiny coat now. (laughs) Oh, and you you got to get the wand microphone, too. Oh, I I want one of those. I want to use one at my trivia show. I actually asked on another Discord that's uh, game show centric uh, where I could get one and no one could come up with anything. But uh, yeah, I want the skinny Bob Barker, Gene Rayburn microphone. Yes. Oh, that would just be so much fun to have. Okay. Uh, But uh, yeah, I'll I'll be more than glad. I could announce all the keyword challenges, you know, it's a, what, 30 (laughs) seconds, $100 a pop. I can do it. Sure. (laughs) I can get you one on a stand for $1,200 apparently. Ooh, but that's 12? not what you want. That's what? not what this is at all. Yeah, I, maybe I just need to. It's for choirs, apparently. Uh, anyway, keyword challenge. Oh yes. yeah, yes. yeah. I'm not uh, on Amazon shopping right now <laughs> at all. <laughs> the keyword we were given was prodigy, um, and here is my attempt, um, featuring such hits as Firestarter and Smack My Bitch Up. What album by the Prodigy, which shares its name with a PG Woodhouse short story? proved it was the best of anything by topping the Billboard charts and going double platinum in 1997. Oh, do I, I remember figured... the name of this album? 
is the question. I figured somebody was going to go with the Prodigy as mm -hmm. uh, a music question, but I don't know anything about them. Uh, I know they did Firestarter and Smack My Bitch Up and a third <laughs> single that I'm blanking on the title of. Why am I blanking on the title of that? I, I will tell pressure, you now. Come for... play my game, I'll test you. What is that song called? Breathe. There it is. All three of those featured on this album. Yeah, I don't um, remember the damn name of the album, and I'm not picking up the PG Wodehouse literary reference. Or the fact that Best of Anything has to be a clue to the title, and I can't pin it to something specific. Best of Anything, yeah. I mean, album uh, album titles, I know a few here and there by just, like, random osmosis. But, uh -huh. uh, man, I hate to be that backseat trivia player who's just like, I don't know, whatever you say is... He's fine. <laughs> Just lock in with whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I, I figured you coming up with Breathe, uh, I mean, because Tipster said, oh, yeah, that's another one of the songs. It's like, well, that's probably not the title of the album. And Woodhouse, P.G. Woodhouse, I there's that literature again, and I'm yeah. not really good with that either. Trying to see if, you know, because I listen to alternative rock and, you know, prodigy-esque music in the, the mid to late 90s, so I'm just... I'm closing my eyes here and trying to visualize the album art and it's it's not coming. I'm actually a little surprised that I didn't listen to them. I mean, I was all about alternate and alternative alt, however you want to say it, rock. I might just have to tap out on this one and, and kick myself once I realize just how best of anything fits obviously and loudly into whatever the answer is because I'm not getting there on my own. Jason, if I told you it featured a crab on the cover, would that help? I don't know that it would. That is not okay. bumping the oh my gosh. punch bowl, as Jeffy Donuts would say. You know what? Um, this isn't going to help at all. I was just listening to another podcast, which I think that uh, we're all familiar with, Triviality. And mm -hmm. they just, uh, I'm going through the backlogs, and oh, they did this as a category. They were like, name the animal that's on the album of whatever and i'm sure they mentioned this one because i was like crab that's an interesting one to put on there oh i i heard it and it just went right through my brain and didn't stick and that really kind of ticks me off yeah i think i'm gonna have to punt on this one and then feel shame for it we're just gonna say uh the gold medal okay um the answer i was looking for was the fat of the land Oh my gosh. That's okay, what they that, said. that that does sound it. vaguely familiar. Yeah, but I wasn't that... going to to get there uh with my own knowledge unfortunately. Good question. Um it it was gettable for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is this is the trouble with being a, a non-American and having two Amer American people answering my questions is like I don't know how hard this pitch is. Um I mean, I know it's, you know, more than 20 years old now. <laughs> No, I mean, you asked the right audience yeah. in a sense, because James and I are, are definitely of the age to where we would have listened potentially to The Prodigy. Mm -hmm. um, just album titles are not my strongest suit in music, unfortunately. I, I've, I've tended to find that album titles are quite difficult to come across, but the only way that I could get a second in was for using the album title. Well, in fact, third in. Um, because the best of anything is the fat of the land. Um, no, you had all the clues in there that you could probably give us. 
Yeah, so. it's it's just I, I put the bait out there and nothing was biting. Well, um, you know what else you can call the best of anything uh, as a throwback to the throwback? The cream of the crop. Oh. <laughs> Shout out <laughs> yeah. to Triviality, everybody. Yeah, especially Ken, my favorite member of the Triviality cast, for no other reason than I pay him to edit this show. <laughs> hey, Ken, how you doing? <laughs> okay, let's see how you fared, James. Oh, is it my turn? All right. A uh, bit of a long question here. Uh, let's go for it. In 1994, the New York Times reported on the Big Three information services. These online service providers were the precursors to the Internet as we know it today. America Online is likely the most widely known of the three. Prodigy took its turn as the leader in subscription numbers in the 90s. But what is the name of the oldest of the three, dominating the field of online service providers in the 1980s, and was known for introducing the GIF or GIF format for images. You're oh, I know cause... this dead. To You're going to cause so many arguments with the GIF or GIF thing. No, as you've well. got to see the way to, to make people argue is just to pronounce it GIF. Give it that Z H, <laughs> and then it... you're wrong, and everybody else can be mad at you. Just pronounce it Jeff, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Jiffy Donuts. There we go. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I but found... I have this dead to rights. So, Tipster, if you want to talk it through, by all means, uh, do so. I don't really have much on this, I'm afraid. Um, American service providers from the 1980s. Not, not, not in my ballpark. Um, I'd go. Cisco is a name that's been around a while, though. That is accurate. It, yeah. Yeah. Would they? Would they have done? I know they do internet stuff. I don't know if they were a service provider. I'll let you off the hook and let you know that it's it's not Cisco. Although they absolutely do um, like web infrastructure, tech system stuff. Uh, this company was actually my introduction to the internet. I never did the BBS stuff. Uh, so much leading into the early 90s. But my friend uh, from high school lived, you know, about a street over uh, was the coolest kid in the world because he had access to the Internet because his family had CompuServe. Oh, yeah. CompuServe. Uh, not that they were, you know, in the Internet game uh, that long ago, but they were founded in 1969. They have been around nice. for a long, long time. And uh, yeah, I was into BBSs and my uh, parents picked as the first foray into what you might consider the internet uh, and so that's what my mind went to immediately when I saw that word um, and CompuServe you know I, I almost feel like if somebody asked me the question that I just read I would have been like I know this one and I just couldn't pick it up so it is almost like you had to have been a subscriber to the service to really have known that because Prodigy was the forefront of my mind. And like you said, CompuServe was on yours. Uh, so uh, yeah, of, of the uh, big three, CompuServe, probably the one whose name recognition has diminished the most over the years. Just, uh, just, to, ch just to check, by the way, America Online, that's AOL, right? Yes. That's, yes. Okay. Same company. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay. That, that was... Like that was ticking in the back of my head there, and I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah. And the, the fact that they introduced the graphic interchange format that uh, I won't pronounce again, the, <laughs> the graphic uh, you know, interface that, format, 
Yeah, that is a fact that was buried in the back of my brain. I was like, yeah, I remember that. CompuServe uh, brought that up, so uh, nice to see. I suppose that makes it uh, my turn, doesn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. I was about to say, the, the name CompuServe definitely rings a bell, but I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> well, now you know. Yeah. Uh, and do you want to know how I knew? Uh, oh, we crossed streams, didn't we? There were three strong directions we could have gone on the word prodigy. One of them was the music connection. One of them was the internet provider connection. And the one I was hoping one of you would do was the Bobby Fisher chess connection. I did not go that route. Here's my question. Uh, if you were a computer prodigy in the early 90s like I was, you probably remember the first three major ISP brands to come to market in the US. CompuServe, AOL, and what third provider, which was the largest of the three in 1993 until AOL started tossing around free time like literal Frisbees? Oh my goodness, you wrote your favorite type of question. You're goddamn right I did. I know. <laughs> That's why you took this route, isn't it? <laughs> it super is. Oh my goodness. Um, I, ha I have not had a chance to do a dtq i know the nice way to say that is a dirty trick question or as you like to say a douchey trick question i haven't been able to put one of those in my game yet but i think i need to start doing that probably need to have one every week just to, yeah if, to if really, you're gonna yeah. lean in you've got to lean in unfortunately otherwise yeah. people feel like it's dirty that's the difference if you do them sporadically they are dirty if you do them weekly and you grin while you're doing it, they're uh, douchey, you, and that's an important difference to me. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's making a running gag of it almost. Um, similarly with the true or false, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, the boo or false, yeah. Yes. Uh, not that anybody in the world needs to hear the answer to this, but it is in fact prodigy. Uh, DTQ confirmed on this. <laughs> you know, you said uh, <laughs> AOL tossing around free time like literal frisbees of course referring to all the cds that you would receive in the mail or that you could pick up at the check lanes at your local walmart or target and i mean i have i don't know if i got rid of them i have stacks and stacks of them probably in my basement uh, my <laughs> wife and i actually thought about plastering one of our rec rooms ceilings with them like some <laughs> kind of a weird disco ball effect we never did go through with that, but man, that would have been something. That's that rainbow sheen of the underside of an AOL installation disc. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that I could say that that was a strong business model for them, just giving away millions of hours of free time. But uh, I'll ask you this, where the hell are CompuServe and Prodigy now? Yeah, that's true. Uh, as I was doing my research, Prodigy... Uh, did the same thing, went to the hourly rate as opposed to like a flat monthly rate. Mm -hmm. And that's when people started to leave in droves. So maybe that's why AOL decided to give free hours to uh, say, hey, you know, if you got to do this hourly bit, at least we'll give you a head start, you know. So, mm -hmm. and yeah, I remember the the number of hours just going up and up on those CDs. It's like, hey, here's, here's three free hours. Here's five, here's 10, here's 40, you know, and they, they just <laughs> kept trying and trying. I to reel oh you my in. goodness see the thing is you say you've got a bunch of these cds i feel like ultimately you should give them out as joke prices <laughs> yes do it that's beautiful do it, do it as like a wooden spoon or something or like funniest <laughs> answer of the night or best team name or something like that 
uh, you know, wins wins a fant- fantastic prize. <laughs> I'll have to go downstairs and see if I can dig them up somewhere. <laughs> also, hop onto uh, eBay and buy a bulk collection of Pogs just to max out the '90s nostalgia. <laughs> oh my goodness! But it, it it would so feed into your whole like nerd brand as well. Oh my it God, would. Tipster! Why do we not think oh. about this? What what do you what is the big meme on Twitch when somebody on stream does something awesome? Uh, oh, Pogs. Yeah. yeah. Pog Why don't we give away literal Pogs for our top teams? <laughs> <laughs> you laugh as though I'm not Googling where to buy them now. Oh, no. No, I know you're deadly serious. <laughs> that's that's the funny bit, is I know you're deadly serious about this. Oh, God. It's so stupid. <sighs> it's brilliant. Or it's so brilliant. It's stupid. I'm not sure which. Oh my goodness, I'm going to save us from this madness by letting our listeners know that um, those are our questions. It's up to you you to decide which is best. You can head over to quadriviapodcast.com to uh, vote on your favourite and also um, on any of our previous episodes as well. Um, Don't vote Corey. Corey's not in this episode. Why do you keep voting Corey for some reason? Why does Corey keep putting himself on the ballot? I don't know. Why do we let him do these things? Well, because otherwise I'd have to do work. You know, I haven't actually seen any of the results of any that I have been involved in, so I need to go look up, see if I'm the winner of any of these that uh, we've done. You can try really hard, James, but until the uh, website gets finalized, and Corey very much has it as a work in progress, I don't think that data is currently readily available it will be presumably hopefully by the time this episode drops actually oh excellent okay Go, uh, Corey. yeah you heard that right Corey. get on it spoiler alert nope <laughs> <laughs> clock's ticking you've got uh, an indeterminable amount of time because we are in podcast time right now it's febtober <laughs> It's been Febtober for like a year. It sure really feels has. like it. <laughs> oh. oh, let's play a game, shall we? Let's play a game. Sounds um, fun. So tonight, um, what I've done is I've taken uh, two, because my rounds are five questions, two rounds were inspired by game shows. Um, our first round um, is inspired by a round in Richard Osman's House of Games, uh, which they call Games House, uh, Games of House, um, or Games House of. I'm going to read a general knowledge question backwards. <laughs> You're going to give me the answer backwards. Backwards. <laughs> um, so, are you ready? Ready am I? Fun sounds this. Buzzers on fingers. Uh, triangles many how features board backgammon standard A. So the question is, how do you answer this in the correct Um, form? Yeah, let's see. Um, first of all, I guess we need to discuss, it's okay for us to discuss the forward answer, first of all. Oh, I I know Uh, the answer to this, Dead to Rights. The question is, how do we form it? Because there are a couple ways you could present this number, but to present it backwards, would it be, uh, so... I think we've given the the listeners enough time to think this through. the The correct answer forwards is twenty four. Yeah. So uh, the question asking be... how many triangles make up a, a backgammon board essentially. Yeah. 
And so if you would you be... answer 24 as in the number, which is like a single entity and you can't reverse? Would you answer 42, which is the digits reversed? Or would you answer 420? I, for the I would even be more proper and say like triangles 420. <laughs> That's what I would do. So unless Richard Fine. Osman is here to right otherwise person. chide us, you know. <laughs> I, I, I will accept... Uh, triangles for the answer i've got on the, the card is 420 okay um because i do this on twitch and if you're gonna if you're gonna lean into a meme lean into a meme <laughs> uh <laughs> was basically the way but i've accepted 42 um well as I've, you should it's the ultimate answer to life the universe and everything exactly and also technically an answer to this question as well um but in 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 digits not in words because that doesn't work um right that's vaguely how this round works question two base pastry inverted and in cooked fruit caramelized of consists dessert french what <sighs> i understand now why you're not putting these uh in the text channel in the chat. to peruse yeah uh so what did, french pastry did... caramelized fruit in i heard invert uh First of all, is uh, did Richard ever uh, repeat the question, or are we just screwed? I can repeat it for you if you want. I think uh, one repeat is fair game, especially yeah, for let's go one more time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I usually do it fast first time for style points, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go a little bit slower on the second reading. Base pastry inverted and in cooked fruit caramelized of consists dessert French what? So James, I don't know if I would know this forwards because french desserts are not my wheelhouse um uh, you know like uh inverted uh, gets me to like an upside down cake but that doesn't right. feel french no no it doesn't you know like uh i'm trying to think like there's cobbler there's uh pop tarts there's you know le, le pop tart um <laughs> le pop tart <laughs> caramelized fruit Inverted pastry base. Um, a tart, a, a, you know, and being uh, French and, and nothing these is be, like you say. Would these be petty fours, maybe? That's French and desserty, isn't it? You know what? Um, if. So we would answer fours petty? Yeah, and if that is the correct answer, there might actually be a running theme that might help us here. So <laughs> let's let's find out. Uh, I think that's a good lock-in, so we'll say four's petty. Okay, uh, the answer I was looking for was tatan tart. You can Ooh, say huh? that, but no. Ta oh, man. Tart <clears throat> tatan. I, I um, cannot say that's a thing I'm personally familiar with, but again, French desserts, not my jam. Uh <laughs> I think there's, I don't think there's jam in it, to be fair. Um, uh, <laughs> That's why he doesn't like it. <laughs> fair. <laughs> um, there, just, just to let you know, there is a running theme in this round, but it's not in the answers, it's in the questions. Mm, okay. Could it be uh, that all the questions are presented in reverse word order? Uh, I mean, there's that, but there's also something uh, like that. Each question features something reversed in some way like you had um back in back oh yeah Ooh, inverted, inverted desserts oh that's cute i like that okay question three 
Country other what of flag the too similar something you give would horizontally flag Irish flipping. Flipping the Irish flag would give you the flag of what other similar country or something along those lines. It sounded the, like there might the be re- two countries. So the Irish flag is, is one of those Tribon style fra- flags. And I think the colors are red, white, green in some order. Does that sound right to you, James? It's, I want to say it might be left to right, green, white, and orange, possibly. Orange. Okay. It could be. Um, my head kind of goes to Italy as having a similar flag, especially with the white and green, but I think they're red on the leftmost. Yeah, end. that is. Yeah. So I, that would be my best guess. But, uh, yeah, me and Vexillology don't get along too well. Um, again, uh, shout out to one of those Triviality guys. They're like the flag people. We need his help. Ken? No, he, he's not here. I don't even know if he's the one. <laughs> um, There's already enough Jeffs on this show. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I think if we were up on a timer here, and I know the Tipsters game is up on a timer, I, I'd be hard-pressed not to say... Italy, Italy. I mean, Italy. Let's say, which, uh, I, Italy I and Mexico. Oh no, uh, Mexico has a uh, has a logo on theirs though. Yeah, like but a, I, like an emblem in the middle. I also though heard just similar. I think I heard the word similar in the question. So unless you want to hear a repeat, you know. Yeah, I mean, why not? Let's get a repeat on that. Okay, country other what of flag the too similar something you give would horizontal flag Irish the flipping. Flipping, flipping the, the Irish flag. Irish. Oh, the word horizontal was in there. But I think that kind of indicates which uh, just axis the way you, flip you would it around. flip it. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to turning the 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 vertical bands horizontal. Um. Yeah, no, do you feel better on Italy or Mexico? Because I think there's a color Italy. difference in Italy, but Mexico I, I does have that Italy emblem. Because, yeah, the eagle in the middle there. So Italy is what we'll go with. Okay. Okay. Um, it's not Italy. It's not Mexico either. It's Ivory Coast. Um, <sighs> I was wondering, we... in the back of my head, I wanted to say, oh, because all these answers have to be backwards, maybe this is a multi-word country, and maybe I should oh. throw out as a punt, d'avoir, I've... Uh, uh, yeah, Divoire Cote. Cote, or, yeah. I, uh, or Coast Ivory. Coast Ivory. Mm. Yeah, shoot, I forgot about that little thing, too. Yeah, it, it, remember you, the, the, the round <laughs> kind of helps as well. You, you always, you know, you watch these things. Now, I know that on this Ireland show... Ireland of uh, Republic, there you go. <laughs> I know that on this yeah. show, celebrities play, and anytime they screw it up, you're always, like, yelling at the TV, ah, you should remember how the round works, but... When you're in the thick of it, you just, you forget. <laughs> Harder yeah. in the weeds, yeah. Okay, question right. four. Let's get uh, this one. 12-18 in Moscow from retreat to forced was leader historic what? What historic leader was forced to retreat from Moscow in 1812? And I think that's exactly what he said, but backwards. Um, 1812 plus Europe plus military equals Bonaparte Napoleon, Bonaparte Napoleon to me. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, is this the, is this yeah. what the 1812 overture specifically is referring to as a historical musical piece? Wow. Is, uh, is the defense and retreat from Moscow? I, I think it's something related to that because Tchaikovsky wrote it and he would be, you know, a big fan of Russian military victories, one would assume. Hmm. Um, 
So uh, the answer is uh, Bonaparte Napoleon, um, what historic leader was forced to retreat from Moscow in 1812. Um, uh, I remember there being something about Napoleon. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um... Uh, commemorate the successful Russian defense against Napoleon's invading of Grande Armée in 1812. Uh, yes. That's, wow. that's okay. So at least pretty close to this, if not exactly right. That's that's what the eighteen twelve overture was made for was to celebrate that successful defense. Okay. See, hey, folks, he told us gotta, to get this one, and we did. You got to learn stuff. Otherwise, you're not going to be a good trivia host later. You got to <laughs> learn. So we're learning here. And final question in this round. Uh, reverse in aging someone of life that on focuses movie eight and thousand to what? I think I've got this one. I think I do too, but it's going to take me a hot second to freeze oh, the answer. That's right. It is a much longer. Oh, the full title. Button Benjamin of Case Curious the. Agree. The curious I. Case of Benjamin. Yeah. Button Benjamin of Case Curious the. Answer final. Uh, Button Benjamin of Case Curious the Done is well. answer. Done well. <laughs> nice one. I didn't even catch the Brad Pitt thing in that reverse ask. <laughs> uh, that's because I missed it in the reverse ask because I apparently copied it wrong. Eh, didn't need it. Oh, I well. mean, it's you know, not too many movies about aging backwards yeah. or um, backwards aging, uh, which, you know, sounds yeah. the Sounds to the brain the same, and that's what was important here. Uh, so that's that's our first round. Um, oh, that was a mind fuck. See, I love it. I yeah. <laughs> this is this is exactly why you got to watch game shows to get these wacky ideas, and maybe you know try a, try a question out on your crowd, see how they like it, and maybe you know go full blown onto a full round because this is the stuff you live for when you're a trivia writer. Now, Tipster, I got to ask you, because you presented this at the Pinnacle Arter on Twitch. Uh, did you set this up in such a way to where uh, your teams and your viewers were not able to see the question visually uh, while you asked it? or uh, Purely because I have um, members of my community that are hard of hearing. Mm, um, okay. I didn't. Okay. Um, uh, I just made it extra tricky for you because our listeners are also not going to necessarily be able to see it as well so i thought i'd add that I'd, I'd i'd make that a little bit you know a level playing field between you and the listeners yeah definitely two ways to approach that and i i totally understand yours for my mileage i would probably give a heads up at the beginning of the game and saying you know hey there's an audio round involved here and then yeah spring this mechanization of an audio round <laughs> this is i mean yeah it's something it's it's um, a way to make an audio round that doesn't you know just lend itself to hey game show alert name that tune mm -hmm. yeah true um so the second round uh is um kind of based on only connect or tri bonds as uh james mentioned earlier nice. um, i'm going to give you bond. three things james tri bond i need you to uh tell me the link between them uh so question one Magnesium sulfate, Fred Jones's Orange Neckwear, and Fried Chicken Restaurant. Well, I know who Fred Jones is. He's the Scooby-Doo guy. And his Orange Neckwear 
That's an um, ascot, is it isn't it? Ascot, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's a dicky. I think it's it's properly an ascot. Uh, magnesium sulfate. Trying to think if these can all be like presented in in three letters because fried chicken restaurant could arguably be KFC. Uh, magnesium MGS, sulfate, yeah. I think, would be MGS, but yeah, that doesn't I, connect I, to to Ascot really. Um, let's see. Oh, it's so it's so uh, brain straining when you have one third and you're trying to pin something well, to it. Just just to be sure, fried chicken restaurant could be Popeyes. It could be churches. It could be Bojangles. Bear could, in mind, know. I'm British. Bear in mind, it you're could British. Be so, so it could be um, think international fried chicken restaurant. Could be the Queen. I don't know. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I guess KFC is international enough. I really yeah, don't see, know here's too the, many. Yeah, it, it is because I know uh, Japan has a weird holiday thing with KFC. If I recall correctly, yep. like it is a Christmas tradition. It's a yeah. Yep. Um. I will let you know that you're 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 getting there. You've got two of the three. So Ascot and KFC magnesium sulfate. Is that? No, it's not chalk. That's calcium carbonate. I think. All right. So let's pretend we don't know enough about chemistry and work off of Ascot and KFC, and and how they are a tribondable thing. I I don't know why the thought of anagrams came to mind where Ascot can be scrambled into tacos. But then what could KFC be scrambled into besides... The other half of Taco Bell restaurants, KFC. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the connection is my Friday night. Uh, uh, I'm afraid not. Um, Okay. Do you want me to put you out of your misery? Uh, A little bit, because I think this is a a connection that we're not seeing, that we should be seeing, that we're not seeing, but we should be seeing. Okay. Uh, Magnesium sulfate is known as Epsom salts. Uh, Fred Jones's orange neckwear uh, is an ascot, and uh, the fried chicken restaurant we were after was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, Epsom, Ascot, and Kentucky are all horse racing derbies. Aha, okay. See, I I didn't know that about Ascot. If I had been able to see Kentucky Fried Chicken, or, you know, as it's now, like, legally called KFC plus Epsom, I think I would have gotten there because I've written at least one round about horse racing. Uh, for reasons I think two thirds of us are very aware of, and I remember writing a question <laughs> about the town of Epsom because of its its derby. I am salty about this. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh no, that's question... just a shitty Epsom pun. You're fine. Oh right. <laughs> uh, question two in this round: character that defected to the Warriors, 1979. 18th letter of the Greek alphabet: luminescent ammunition. Ooh, I I can name this tune in one answer, and that answer is Luminescent Ammunition, which uh, is, because I'm American, uh, I know is a tracer round. Okay. Uh, I don't recall enough about the Warriors to know the the character defection. James, I'd be leaning on you for that end. 18th letter of the Greek alphabet is going to be somewhere around Sigma, I think. Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Iota, Kappa, Kappa, Lambda, Mu, Nu, Pi, Rho, Omicron. Yeah, it's about Sigma. Uh, and I could get this off of just Tracer, but with Sigma, uh, that's the confirmation for me. And again, I don't know the Warriors thing, but these, I think, are playable characters in the video game Overwatch. 
when you said Sigma, uh, even though I'm not an Overwatch fan, I've seen enough posts on uh, social media and Reddit that that is a recognizable name to me. So uh, at a discussion of this at a table, if you said that, I would heartily agree with you. And being that it's a character that defected to the Warriors, which I'm assuming we're talking about that movie, The mm -hmm. Warriors, yes. come out and play, you know, yep. um, that chances are whatever that name is probably would fit in some kind of a first-person shooter game. So Yeah, I wonder if it's I, like Reinhardt or something. Okay, uh, you're correct with the connection. Um, Mercy was the character that defected to the Warriors. Ah, okay. Uh, Sigma... Um, as you mentioned, and the luminescent ammunition is Tracer, um, and they are all Overwatch characters. If it's not, yeah, if it's not video games from the '80s and '90s, it's going to be a little lesser on my head. Uh, I got to It's hard is, for me to keep up. This is this is one of those effects where um, I just Overwatch was in mind because I have a, a pair of friends temporarily uh, staying with me as they transition to move back to Illinois and. I kid you not, an hour before we started recording, one of them was playing Overwatch on their Nintendo Switch <laughs> and complaining about how they got stuck with Reinhardt as a character for some story mode or something. Okay. Uh, question four? Four? Three. 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 I can count. <laughs> Definitely. Um, UK Lane, uh, but a place in the US. PH7 and the opposite of Obverse. Okay, um, I know two of the three answers, mm -hmm. and actually I now I know th all three of them. Uh, now yeah. that I think about I'm, it, I'm and not I know the connection. Definitively there on the first one, the UK Lane, because the first and only thing I can think of is Penny Lane, but that's not strongly a place in the U.S. And I don't know if it's going to fit the meta here. Uh, PH seven, I th would you agree is the word neutral? Yes, I would agree with that. And then the opposite of obverse when you're talking about coins is. Uh, reverse the obverse right. is the face and then the reverse i've written that as a douchey trick question at least once <laughs> you know the uh, proper term for the the head side of a coin is obverse what is the proper term for the reverse side or tails um and i get it now okay so it's not a specific lane but it's the american term for what for the british a call a lane which would be a drive uh and then i think you and i are on the same page but i'll let you take us across the finish line yeah you're gonna find this on your prindle dial in your car uh that is the gears and settings for your transmission in your car that is correct um although i had park instead of drive oh, oh. park lane park place um, oh okay yeah i don't uh, even know if lane and drive are synonymous in that context but I don't boy does it make sense are. yeah um, I don't think they are, I'm afraid. Um, but you got there. You got there with, with the other two, and drive would also work. Right. So <laughs> it wasn't not right. It wasn't not right. <laughs> okay, uh, fourth one in this round. Eastern Capital, Spear Person, The Angels. Huh. Spear Person. Spear Person. Javelin Thrower. Lancer. Um, Aboriginal. Yeah, I, I, I almost, I have this theory on this one, but it's not panning oh, out. No. Uh, and that theory is based on maybe Spear Person is somehow a reference to the Zulu Nation, which would get you to the NATO phonetic alphabet as a uh, connection. But I don't like that at all. 
Uh, so I want to move away from that spear person. Uh, what city are the angels in? Uh, Los Sports Angeles. Wise. If we're talking okay. baseball. Yeah. I mean, you know, LA, Los Angeles, um, boy, Eastern capital. That could be just about anything. Yeah. What, in what sense are we using both Eastern and capital? Is it like Unless an it's... Eastern U S state capital is it an Eastern hemisphere national capital. Is it, something east of wherever tipster hails from huh unless it's one of those uh cryptic clues from those british crosswords where I, the answer would like literally be the e in eastern <laughs> i will let you know now it, that oh that's clever i i write these internationally so um it wouldn't be dependent <laughs> on where you are okay and that's fair so i'm assuming both national capital and then something that's considered broadly to be in the east be it asia or the eastern hemisphere uh, in general see and when i saw capital and my head went to zulu again i'm like oh lima oh there there is no context in, yeah. which, in which lima is eastern it's in western south america so that's not it and i think that's the only national capital that's in the nato phonetic alphabet alpha bravo charlie delta echo foxtrot golf hotel india juliet kilo lima mike november oscar papa quebec Romeo, Sierra Tango, Uniform, Victor, Whiskey, X-Ray, Yankee, Zulu. Yeah, it's not in there. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll start pushing you towards a, a, an answer here. Um, Los Angeles was definitely a good Fred to go down. Okay, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's looking for on two and one is. Yeah, there are dozens of possible yeah. answers, so it's, Tokyo, it's hard to pin um... down. Find something that. I mean, Beijing. Tokyo is not a bad stick it in and see if it fits hey, kind of thing. Um, how about Olympic uh, cities? Cities where the Olympics were held. That's the... It, you know, I, that could be it. I am super okay with that punt. Okay, so your final answer is cities where the Olympics were held. Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give you that, but there's one word that I changed. And Summer. That's going to be held. Oh. Those are translations ah, okay. of upcoming, upcoming Olympic, Olympic host cities. Eastern capital being Tokyo, Spearperson um, being Paris, surprisingly. Oh, uh, and right. the Angels, Los okay. Angeles. See, this like is an interesting Greek. interpretable one because Tokyo was supposed to have taken place by now and both Paris and LA have hosted multiple previous Olympics. Yes. So there's but a weird I'd temporal taken thing Olympic here. Olympic host yeah. cities as a, general, as a general thing. But... Um, uh, more specifically, upcoming um, uh, Tokyo hosting this year, but supposedly last year, but it's gonna happen. Paris is 2024, and then Los Angeles 2028. Um, final one. A dragon. French for cabbages. One of the founders of Yahoo. All knowledge just left Sorry, my brain. A magic dragon. Well, the only I magic knew. dragon I can think of by name would be Puff. And I would agree with that for sure. I know the names of the founders of Yahoo, and why am I blanking on them? I keep going back to, like, the founders of Google, Sergey and the other one. Yeah, Sergey Brin. Like Is it Page, Larry Page? Yeah. Page, yeah, but those are not the founders And I know the names of the founders of Yahoo, and I'm just, they've left my brain at the worst right. possible time. French for cabbages. Um, the, there's something about a term of endearment that means like little cabbage or something in French, I believe. 
and I can't think of what it is. Uh, can you think of anything along those lines? I cannot. I'd have to say I'm I'm stuck on aubergine being a French term for a vegetable, which is categorically wrong. But that's where my head <laughs> keeps going. Um, uh, so let's work off a of puff, puff pastry, puff daddy, um, cream puff, puff puff pass. I, um, I wanted to say that, but didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, he did mention the back game in four twenty, so. Um, <laughs> Oh, cabbages. Who the um, hell founded I, Yahoo? I know who founded Yahoo. Who the hell founded Yahoo? Uh, I think once you get that, you'll have the key to this. Yeah, but again, it's just... I can think of the founder of PayPal. I can think of the founders of Google. And the, the Yahoo guys are just out of my brain. It's one of those questions where I'm going to kick myself hard when I see this name that I know that I know. I'll I'll tell you now we're not looking for Jerry Yang. That was that was the one I think I could have pulled, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> well heck. <laughs> In hearing it, I'm like, oh that's right. That's that's the one guy of the two that I think I could have remembered. Yeah, because it was originally Jerry's Guide to the World Wide Web or something like that before it took on the name Yahoo because they consider themselves to be a couple of Yahoos. <laughs> I I'm at a tap point on this, sadly. Because um, I don't know what the French call cabbages, and I'll, that is important information right now. The only thing I can think of now, uh, this is a this could be a huge pull, but my wife at one point she she is enamored by British culture every once in a while, and she learned that trains were called puff puffs, and that that could be. Maybe something. I figure a puff from a train, that's the only thing I can think of. I don't think that there were any Thomas the Tank engines that were called puff. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, because I, going with things like, you know, cream puff or other things like that, I feel like is a wouldn't be where he's going. So I'm just going to say for the fun of it, like, are there any train uh, names that you can think of or something like for a founder of Yahoo and onomatopoeia or something. Nope. Still stuck on Sergey Brin and Larry page. Okay. And he gave me Jerry Yang and that's not helping. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, uh, trains go Yang Yang. <laughs> are these all, maybe the, are these maybe all the wrong hell. types of gang? <laughs> <laughs> um, so unless you have anything else, that's what I say. I sadly don't. Um, I would say, you know, we should just roll the die and pick between like cream or pastry or what was the other thing I said? Puff daddy. You know, what? let's daddy make him call us daddy. Okay. You're going, you're going daddy is your answer. I guess yeah, that's, that's actually, I think would fit more phrases maybe. So yeah, we'll go with daddy. So um, the f other founder of Yahoo is David Filo. The French for cabbages oh, is shoe. Uh, and Puff the Magic Dragon, they're types oh. of pastry. Do you know, and I thought Puff pastry, but I couldn't, I didn't oh, think that there you... would be three pastry connections. And yeah, nope. I had to dig for Filo. <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute, though. You said uh, the second one was uh, shoe, right? Yes. Don't trains go choo choo so do you trains know trains also go, go philo, trains go philo. philo. <laughs> but only in italy 
Philo, Philo goes the train. <laughs> philo, Philo, Philo goes the trolley. What? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> That's that's really weird I, that I was kind of close that <laughs> way though. I so wanted you to get there with pastry. Oh, yeah, man. Pastry was the first thing that came into mind when I thought puff. But how do you write three pastries? Apparently, uh, this is how like you write that, three pastries. Apparently. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the game. That was a uh, good game. I I really liked honestly both parts. They had. Mm -hmm. You know, the first one was fun because it was something new. And then this, uh, the second part was fun simply because it was familiar yet. You really twisted things around with uh, a lot of these, made them a lot more, uh, you know, challenging uh, without being totally unreachable. So I say, you know, five out of five stars. Yeah. And I have okay. to say that I feel like, Tipster, you finally got me back from the last time the three of us recorded and my game was all about uh, tribons in a sense. Oh yeah, that one. Oh, the I... Huey Dewey Louie game. Yep. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Because this is <sighs> similar, definitely in presentation. Now the the core mechanic was a little different because I was looking for trios, and you had one singular common bond. But yeah, no, my uppins came full circle on this for sure. <laughs> That's a good game. I liked it. Should we uh, should we wrap it up for the day? Yeah, yeah. I think that this has been a really fun recording today. I hope that everybody out there listening also enjoyed and will give us a little bit of feedback both on our keyword challenge and maybe any other game show subjects that they'd like to hear. So that probably means they need some information about how to contact us. So what do you have on that, Jason? Well, uh, for me, people can find me uh, online pretty much seven days a week on Twitch at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage. Uh, the underscore is important and the courage is spelled with a K. Uh, doing trivia and trivia adjacent content like uh, sheep and lingo, tying it back to our, our uh, conversation about game show topics. Tipster. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you can find me in the Pinnacle Larder every Sunday from 7 p.m. British Summertime. That's 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, and 11 a.m. Pacific, because Corey insists I use that time now. Uh, <laughs> uh, over on uh, twitch.tv slash tipster with a one, or much more easily, uh, play.pinnaclelarder.com and we're there every week with my friend Captain Waddles and General Rafters. Come and give us a visit. And you can find me, James Key, the Trivia Nerd at thetrivianerd.com You can email me at thetrivianerd at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, The Trivia Nerd as well as Instagram and Twitter which I'm starting to ramp up who knows i might even start posting there you never know but uh, that's where you can find me you can also get a hold of this podcast by emailing us at quadriviapod at gmail.com find us on twitter at quadriviapod facebook at quadriviapod and among many other website names quadriviapodcast.com is one of the ways you can find our website so, gentlemen, that's the end of the game. Uh, parting contestants will receive a year's supply of rice-a-roni uh, and turtle wax. But uh, I, I had a good time and hope that you did, too. I was free, hoping you were going to zonk us with a goat. AOL. Yeah. 
500 free hours of AOL to all our <laughs> listeners. That is not legally binding. <laughs> no. I'm waving to everybody. That's how you know I love you. Where do we go? Because the nature of pub quivia, trivia, pub quivia. What the hell am I today? That's a nice one. I like that. You can have you can have my slip of the tongue, terrible though it may be. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the more luck that factors into your pub trip, I can't even say quiz anymore because of this. (laughs) Fuck, I'm in my head.